The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then Jesus sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, the summer months are usually good opportunities to tackle kind of household projects, maybe a garden or building a shed or tree house or whatever it might be. And perhaps this summer more than others, as we're experiencing more times of staycation than else, that we're getting caught up maybe on some home renovations or different projects around the area. And it's always interesting and an amazing thing to watch parents include their children on some of these projects for instance, like planting a garden. And now parents know that when you involve, especially young children in any of these projects, that it's not for the sake of getting the project done faster or better or more perfectly. In fact, quite the opposite. Sometimes it takes longer when the young ones are involved. The rows in the garden aren't as straight and the seeds get, might get mixed up in the planting or the tree house may be a little crooked in certain angles or whatnot or nails bent out of shape. And it makes for great stories of times of shared projects and memories and shared frustrations too at times. But parents know well that if they wanted something done better and quicker and more perfectly, they would have just done it themselves and not had the kids involved in that. But true parents, authentic parents, know that there's a great joy and they delight in having their children involved in such a common project to spend time together, even if things turn out a bit messier and imperfectly than anticipated before and take a bit longer. There's joy in just somehow spending that time together in the midst of the difficulties and frustrations. I use this example because it's a great image of God's plan for the church, for us as people and the different structures he has in our Catholic church, in our Catholic faith. That instead of God just acting directly and making things happen on his own and it would have been done more perfectly and better and faster and quicker, he has us collaborate and be his co-workers in the vineyard of building up the kingdom of God here on earth so that it can be a true image of the kingdom of God in heaven. 
The reason why I'm reflecting on this today, because the gospel and first reading are filled with the biblical foundations of the papacy, of the reason why in our Catholic church structure we have a pope, a leader in the church. You may wonder, well, why did what I pick of choosing of explaining the role of the Pope and papacy today in the midst of our pandemic that we're still battling and so many other things that could be discussed? And the reason I think the Holy Spirit put it on my heart this week to preach about this is that in our times right now, there's more apt to have conversations with colleagues, family, or friends about church, religion, faith, and belief in God in general. Our time of pandemic has brought up these topics a bit more and you might be in those conversations with people. And some of the first rebuttals that many will have towards our faith will be the church leadership, the church structures, the hierarchy. And we've been let down by many church leaders. We've been let down by leaders in our modern society, in our modern world, and basically all walks of our life, from government to church to business leaders to Hollywood actors and actresses and directors that have let us down royally. And so the temptation is for us is to just reject authority, reject leadership in all its forms and just say, I'm making my decisions for myself. But God's word calls us to something deeper because that's not the best solution either. He has us go back to the real meaning of authority, the real meaning of leadership, which is one of service. And so we have the biblical foundations of the head of our church, of the leadership of the Pope in our first reading and gospel today. So we'll begin with our first reading to help us rediscover true leadership and what it's all about. Because our church structure is not a pyramid with the Pope and the cardinals and bishops and the priests and deacons and then the people at the bottom. It's actually an inverted pyramid is the best way to think of our church. With at the top is all of you, the people, the laity, the baptized faithful, the ones who are to bring the gospel into the world with the witness of their life and their words. And then beneath at the very bottom, of this inverted triangle or pyramid is the Pope, the servant of the servants of God, the one with the priests and the bishops who is intended to serve you and equip you for the work of the gospel in the midst of the world, in your workplaces, families, and homes and schools. Our first reading though shows us about where all of this began with the role of the Pope and the papacy. When the king was away from his palace in Jerusalem, he would appoint a representative, a steward, a prime minister of sort to act in his name and to have his powers when the king was away in battle or in trade agreements or other dealings outside of the country. And in our first reading today in the chapter 22 of Isaiah, we run into one of these stewards, these representatives or prime ministers of the king when he is away. His name is Shebna, but Shebna is not a good leader. Shebna is not serving the people. Instead, he's serving himself. One of the roles of this chief steward of the king's household was that he had a badge on his shoulder with keys on it, showing that he had the keys of the kingdom of the king's palace. And he'd open the doors to people who wanted to see the king with their various needs and problems and issues. And he'd close the doors and lock them at according times as well to prevent enemies from getting in or barging in as well. So he had a tremendous power, but that power, as we know, with any leadership position could be abused could go wrong and be corrupted. And this happens with Shebna. He's using the king's money to buy more chariots. He has more than 18 of these chariots and he ties them up and every time he goes out on the town, he brings all the chariots out with him. So he could put on a good show for everybody and everybody would know there's Shebna, the royal steward, going down. 
He's also carving himself a grandiose and elaborate tomb in the cemetery where only kings were to be buried. So he's not being a servant of the king and the king's people. He's usurping that power and using it for his own grandizement and for his own good. And the prophet Isaiah comes on the scene and he says, you are going to be thrusted from this position. This office is no longer yours. In its place, we're going to put in Eliakim. Eliakim is a priest. So now a priest takes this position of the royal steward, of the king's representative when he's away. And we're to call this priest Eliakim father, we are told in the first reading. Father is the word for papa, pope. And so we have that sense there that Eliakim's going to be dressed with a sash and a robe, priestly vestments, given the title of father, and he is going to be a much better steward of the king's household and goods. And indeed he is. He does a phenomenal job reaching out to the poor and is well respected by all the people. And this role will continue, turning to the gospel. And Jesus now, he is preparing for his death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven, knowing that he, king of the universe, is going to leave this world and is now inaugurating his own representative, his own chief steward, who will be having the keys of the kingdom, not of an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly spiritual kingdom, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And who does he bestow those keys upon? But St. Peter, our first pope, the head of the 12 apostles. And it's not because Peter had all of the gifts and talents to do things perfectly. We know Peter sins and fails and will deny Jesus three times. It's because of a grace of confession of his faith at Caesarea Philippi in an area which was built by King Herod's son, Prince Philip, for his own self-aggrandizement as well, building up this town, naming it after himself, and doing everything so that people would be aware of him being the up-and-coming king, hopefully, after King Herod. And it's in that place, in that area, where there were temples of the god Pan, pagan temples all around, that Jesus invites Peter, and he asks the apostles, who do you say that I am? And Peter, not because of anything of his own intelligence or his own kind of talents come about this, but by a grace of the Heavenly Father, responds, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus blesses him with that role of being the first Holy Father, the first bridge builder and source of unity as first Pope in the church, handing him the keys, symbolically, of this new heavenly kingdom that Jesus will inaugurate. And instead of the badge of the, key, the keys on his shoulder, that Jesus would give to St. Peter? What does Jesus carry on his shoulder? The cross. It is now the cross that is the new key, that key that opens up the gates of heaven for each and every one of us, offering us forgiveness of sins and new life. And Peter will know his own fragility, his own sinfulness, and he's going to be very merciful in reaching out to everyone to ensure that they can experience this grace of God and deeper relationship in their life. So for each and every one of us, today is a clarion call for all of us to pray for our Pope, our Holy Father, that throughout the history of the Church, Pope Francis is the 264th successor in this office of being the steward of the keys of the Kingdom of Heaven that Christ entrusted first to St. Peter, is to pray for them. We've had many holy and saintly popes, some that are canonized saints, many of them canonized saints, and some did horrible and evil things like Shebna and served themselves. But in the midst of it all, instead of God directly acting on this project of the mission of the church himself and making things out turn out perfectly and faster and better, 
he invites us to be co-workers and collaborate in this great mission together, knowing that we're going to let each other down and God down sometimes, but knowing with the keys of the cross, he's able to grant us new beginnings, stronger faith, and an ability to write straight paths when things go astray and go wrong. That is the great gift of authentic leadership meant to serve God and to serve others.